Hey, Dave. We're glad you're here too, bud. Yeah, thanks. Awesome. So, good morning, everybody. Some of you have never seen this early at Twin Cities before. And so I just want to maybe challenge you that this might be your service from now on. It wasn't that hard, was it? No, but I'm really proud of you for coming and being here as we're kicking off this uh, second week of the series. So grab these message notes out of your program. You're going to need them today. And if you would, if you have your Bible, you can open it to Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to look in the uh, prayer that Paul prayed today as we talk about this whole idea of prayer and how we renew ourselves. Now, if you remember last fall, we had a series on prayer. And uh, when I started that series on prayer, I you know, told you that the reason we're having this is because uh, I just sensed God speaking to me about my prayer life and about my urgency when it comes to prayer and uh, my diligence. And uh, if I remember, I told you that it was this God spoke to me. I was driving down the road in southern Utah, and it was as if he spoke to me and said, Ron, you talk to a lot of people about me, uh, and I wish you talked more to me, kind of the idea. And so I just really sensed that and felt really strongly that that's what God was saying to me. And so, you know, we did that whole series on prayer uh, in the fall, and I had a key idea with that, and I'll put it on your message notes this morning so you can see it there, because I wanted to bring it back to our attention today as we talk about prayer today. And the key idea that we used is this. My belief that prayer changes things will directly impact my behavior concerning prayer. So my belief that changes things will direct my behavior concerning prayer. And, you know, we talk about prayer and, you know, oftentimes we talk about prayer. The first reaction that many people have is, I should pray more, I know, right? That's probably what you're already feeling. Like this is going to be about guilt today and, you know, I should pray more and I don't pray enough and that kind of thing. But, you know, not at all. That's not what we're going to talk about today, even though I understand that that's a reality. And others of you, you're thinking, well, the reason I don't pray is because, you know, honestly, I've been praying for something and I don't sense that God's come through. And, you know, that's just a very real reality is that there will be times when we pray and we're asking for something specifically and it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen as we prayed. And then what happens is, you know, especially if we get online and, or we go on TV and we watch these folks that, you know, talk about name it and claim it, then we end up feeling like there's something wrong with us. And then ultimately we end up thinking there's something wrong with God and that God really doesn't come through. And so then we stop praying. And so what I want to do today is I want to just, you know, bring us to a place where we would be willing to say, you know, as much as I can understand today, I'm going to believe that God answers prayer. I'm going to believe that as much as I can understand today. And then I'm going to act differently in my prayer life. It's going to change my behavior. And that's what we're looking for today is a behavioral change concerning prayer. And so we're going to use this prayer from Ephesians chapter 3 to kind of kick off today. You know, this is uh, actually uh, going to talk about this being our church prayer. The last two years we've had a church prayer. First year was uh, the Lord's Prayer. Last week was Je- last year was Jesus' prayer as he prayed in John chapter 17. And this year is going to be Ephesians chapter 3. And I'm going to talk to the end of our service today about how I'd like us to apply this uh, as we go through this. So I just want to begin today by looking at that verse there from Ephesians 3. If you have your Bible, verse 14. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I just want to draw attention to this. He starts his prayer with for this reason. Now, when he says for this reason, you got to know that he's talking about, he's going to refer back to something he's talking about that he's already, you know, written about. 
Well, in this case, what happens is, if you have your Bible, you'll notice on verse 1 that he says, for this reason too. He says, for this reason, and as he began, and then he takes a side, you know, kind of a side trip, beginning with verse 2 all the way through verse 13, and then he says, oh, you know, what kind of wakes up and comes back and says, oh, yeah, for this reason, we're going to talk about, he's going to talk about these issues of prayer and what they mean. So it appears to me that because he took this kind of side train that he's actually referring to a couple of different things. Uh, First of all, in the first two chapters of Ephesians, he's talked about our identity in Christ. And we sang about that in Cornerstone and because of the cross that we have identity in Christ. And he's, you know, just elaborated. And, you know, Paul uh, is an amazing writer and full of passion. He's elaborated and he's reflected in Ephesians chapter 2 on the fact that here's who we are in Christ. He says, we are blessed with every spiritual blessing. We are chosen by God. We are holy and blameless in God's sight. We are adopted by God. We are forgiven and set free from the past. Hallelujah, right? We are favored with God's riches. We stop and just meditate on that just a little bit. We're favored with his riches. We are saved by grace. We are restored as a masterpiece. We are given a destiny. We are made one with other followers of Jesus. So he's written all about that. And it's almost like he's about to burst. And he goes, for this reason. And then all of a sudden he gets sidetracked. He gets sidetracked. And so I I think that the reason he got sidetracked is all of a sudden he's sitting there thinking, hey, I'm in prison. I'm in chains. You know, I am maybe going to lose my life because of Christ. And, you know, not only that, but I've started all these churches and everybody needs me. And so our circumstances stink right now. And, you know, I'm not sure exactly how this is all going to turn out. And then he says, oh, yeah, but by the way, for this reason... And he starts his prayer in verse 14. So two kind of ideas here. First one is this. He's reflecting on how good God is. And secondly, he's reflecting on how tough life is. How tough life is. And then he wants to know. For it, and then he wants you to know. That's what, so would we all say God is good? Would you be willing to say that with me? God is good? Would you also agree with me that life is tough? Okay, so that's what he's saying here. Life is tough and circumstances can stink at times. And now for this reason. Because God is good and because life is tough, I want you to know this prayer. And that's for each of us today. I want you to know this prayer. And then he's going to kind of, you know, go into it uh, and this prayer and walk, and he's going to walk through it. And I'm going to walk through it today and show us how we might pray. He says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth is named. And he's saying here, I bow my knees before the Father. So the first idea is this. For this reason, because God is good, because life stinks, I'm going to come before God and I'm going to bow my knees before him. Now, this was not the normal posture of prayer in his day. The normal posture of prayer for Jews is to stand. Normal posture of prayer is to stand. Only when things were intense or they were overwhelmed by God's goodness and greatness, so much so that they were humbled, that they dropped to their knees. So it's either intensity or devotion or the fact that God is good, they would drop to their knees. So he's trying to say right away, for this reason, I bow on my knees. So I'm going to pray intensely for you in this next section that he's going to write to us about. So what I want to do is I'm going to walk through five prayers he prays. And I'm going to make the, ask you to make these your prayer as we walk into 2014, okay? Five ideas and five ways that we can pray through t- 
2014. And the first one is this. God, give us inner strength. Give us inner strength. So now we're at verse 16. And then he says, for this reason, I'm praying, I'm bowing my knees to the father of you know, all families. And he says, okay, here we go. That according to the riches of his glory, the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. He may grant you to be strengthened through his power in your inner being. Now, we might just you know, take a pause here and talk just a little bit about uh, what looks like double talk here. Because some of us, we read that and we're like, well, get, well aren't we already, isn't Christ already in us? And he's just talked about that in Ephesians 1 and chapter 2, Christ is in us. So isn't this kind of like red light, green light here? Isn't he praying for what we already have? Uh, well, here's the deal. He may be praying for what we already have, but what we already have is what we know. He's praying that it would be real to us. He's praying that it would go beyond enlightenment and that it would move into our hearts and it would become enablement and would allow us to trust God and move forward with him. It's one thing to have the knowledge, which is he's done. He's talked about in Ephesians 2 about the knowledge of the love of Jesus. But it's another thing to experience the love of Jesus in your heart and then to have him change your heart. Now, remember a couple weeks ago, we talked in Be Wise series through Proverbs. We talked about the heart. The heart is the center of your will. Uh, the heart is the, is the uh, out of the heart, your entire world is governed that it's your entire personality, it's all of who you are. So Paul is praying, and Paul is encouraging us that our heart, our inner being, will be transformed. Here's the key. So that our actions come from a transformed heart. So that our actions come from a transformed heart. A heart that's been transformed by the Holy Spirit. It's one thing to have knowledge about Jesus. I mean, many of us have great knowledge and information about Jesus. It's, about, it's another thing to allow that knowledge to change us so that we are different in life, so that we are different in life from the inside out, from an inside out. Now, what I love about this is that when Paul started this prayer, remember, he just said, God is good, life stinks. And he didn't start this prayer, or you're not even going to find anywhere in this prayer that he asked for circumstances to change. Now, when I pray... I guarantee you, most often I start with circumstances that stink and how I want them to change. And I think that that's where most of us start in our prayers is, you know, how we think that life should be different, God, and here's how we want you to come in and act on our behalf because, God, if you'll change the outside, then I'll be a lot better on the inside. What Paul's showing us here and what I'm hoping that we'll get today is that he's talking about, he says, if you'll change the inside, it'll change your perspective about the outside. If you'll change the inside, God will change your perspective about your circumstances and the situations that you're facing. So he resists the tendency to pray for circumstances to change. He just basically says, whatever circumstances come into your life, I pray that by the power of God, you will be made stronger as you walk through them, as you walk through them, that you will be made stronger. So he's not praying for external change. He's praying for inner transformation. And folks, I just say this is the one thing that we all need. Uh, you know, that we oftentimes, if you go down to the bookstore, 
uh, that you'll, or you go online and you, you just type in whatever issue you have and you look for things that can help, you're going to find a you know, slew of books and teachings and philosophies that you can follow to help make external change. Now, here's the deal. I just want you to understand this, uh, that if those worked, then there wouldn't have to be more created next year. Okay, so we have so many already created that are already made. If it actually worked, we wouldn't need more. But because I can't change myself from external, from the outside in, I can only change myself from the inside out. That's how Paul begins his prayer. He's saying, you know what? Regardless of your circumstances, you have to look at God and what God can do for you and who God is, and you can ask him to change you internally. And then as he changes you internally, it'll give you a different, as I said earlier, perspective on your circumstances in life. And that's really the first goal. The first goal for you and me, the primary directive for us, if you want to use a term like that, is that, God, I'm going to ask you to give me inner strength. I'm going to ask you to change me internally by the power of your spirit so I become more like you on the inside and then what's on the outside looks more like you. And I don't have to try so much to make the outside look like you, which I can't do, and I'm going to fail all the time when I try to do that. But I'm going to work on the inside and the inside will look like you. So first prayer is God gives us, give us inner strength. Second prayer is this, God give us stronger faith. God give us stronger faith. He goes on to say in verse 17a, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So what we're saying here is he's saying, I'm asking God to make you strong internally, but here's the key to that internal strength happening is that you have to let Christ inhabit you fully. Now, the Bible says that when we say yes to Jesus Christ, that he comes to live inside of us. But he doesn't take access unless we give it to him. He comes to live inside us, but he doesn't take access unless we give it to him. And so he's saying, I'm praying that by faith, you will give Christ access to all of your heart, to all of your being, to all of who you are. C.S. Lewis said it this way. He says that many people would like to have Jesus as a guest in their hearts because guests know their place. It's there in the guest room. <laughs> That's where guests stay. They stay in the guest room. But Jesus wants to come out of the guest room and prepare the meals and knock down walls and remodel the entire house. That's dwelling there. So that's what Jesus wants to do. He wants to come in and knock down walls and remodel things. Now, I just want to ask this you know, just question. Think about it. Does Christ really dwell in your home? Does Christ really dwell in your heart? Does he own you? You guys might be familiar with uh, My Heart, Christ's Home, and I don't remember who wrote that. It's a little pamphlet that's been famous for, you know, uh, people have read for, you know, generations now. But it basically talks about the different parts of a house and how Christ wants to inhabit all of them. And the idea is in this that, that we give Christ access, but we continually hold on to something, like maybe a closet. And then that closet, no, Jesus, you can't come into there. And then there's something that we're not wanting to let go of. And what Paul's praying here is that you will unlock that closet door, open it up, and let him inhabit all of who you are, all of your life, that he will have access to every piece of you, that you will come out of hiding, even from Jesus, and that you will let him change you, but it's going to take faith to do that. And remember, faith is a gift from God. So it's not something you have to work up, but God will give you that as he's changing you internally. And so I just said, does he own you? Now, there are ways that we can come at this that kind of help us and, and uh, the, along the years that there's meditation that you can do, and I'm talking about Christian meditation, 
the kind where you reflect on God's truth or you reflect on something that's written to draw you closer to God. Well, Hudson Taylor, uh, he was the great China missionary of the 19th century. Uh, he had a, a, when he, after he died, they found a prayer in his Bible. Uh, it's not actually Bible, you know, scripture, but it's something that I think will speak to us. So let's put this on the screen. Let's see this. Here's what, here's the prayer he had about this whole idea of letting Christ dwell me fully. Lord Jesus, make thyself to me a living, bright reality, more present to faith's vision keen than any outward object seen, more near, more intimately nigh than even the sweetest earthly tie. Lord Jesus, make thyself to me a living, bright reality. You see, when Jesus is living in your heart fully, then he's going to be real, and he's going to be a bright reality that will change your heart and change you so that you look more like him. Okay, so that's the second prayer. The third one is this. Give us, God, give us deeper love. Give us deeper love. He goes on to say in verse 17b, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge. Okay, so what he's saying here is he's saying, now I'm praying for this kind of deeper thing to happen in you that as you're being transformed internally, as Christ is in your home, that you're going to understand more and more the depth, the height and the width and the length of the love that God has for you because of what he's done in Jesus Christ. His prayer is not that we will not, is that we will not just know the love of Christ, but we will actually experience the love of Christ. Here's how Tim Keller says it. He says this, this is an inward experience through which Christ becomes as real to you as any other person, if not more so. So that his love and approval is more real and affecting and more sweet and more important than any other affection or relationship or achievement. So much so that you're not as impacted by things externally because you know the love of Jesus internally. So we're, you know, guys, you know this, we're going to face things where life stinks and it's going to come at us in all different ways. On Friday, I went uh, to pick up my daughter from school, and I was talking to a friend on the phone I hadn't talked to for a long time, and uh, because of that, I got distracted, went to the wrong campus, and shut off my car, <laughs> and I've been driving on 49 with my lights on, and so I'm sitting there, and I was early, and I had quite a little time to wait, and so I'm sitting here waiting on my daughter. The bus has come up at the transfer station, and the buses leave, and Jordan didn't get off the bus. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm at the wrong campus. And so immediately I turn, you know, start my car, and the battery was dead. In just 30 minutes, 40 minutes, the battery was dead. And so here I am, Jordan's waiting at the other campus, has no idea where dad is or what's going on. And so I, you know, had a problem there that, you know, God took care of me, and within about 15 minutes I was on the road and got to go get her. But that's the way life is, Right. We're just going through life, and all of a sudden, we get, like Dave said, a vocal polyp. Or like last year at this time, I was prepping for surgery for my colon. Uh, or we get uh, something with our car. You know, my check engine light's been on for several months now. 
Probably shouldn't say that out loud. <laughs> I was just reading the other day the top 10 things never to do about your car. And one of them was when your tech engine lights on, never drive forever. Well, I have been. Uh, and see what's going So things happen to us, you know, and then uh, that those difficulties come. And what we're wanting to know is, is that how can I withstand those? How can I be sustained in the middle of those? And he says, it's because we know the love of Christ. And he gives us this, you know, description of love. He says it's long. And so uh, I was just thinking about that. So I want to, you know, talk about the four descriptions he gives of love here. First, he says it's long. And we know in Revelation that Jesus Christ was slain, listen to this, before the foundation of the world, that he was slain before the foundation. That was the plan, and he knew the plan. That simply means he decided before the foundation of the world that he was going to give up everything for us. That's how long his love is. It's extending all the way beyond creation. It says that it's, um, also says that it's, I'm missing one here. It says that it's wide. And so when it's talking about wide, it means that it's for everyone, that it includes all of us, no matter what we've done. So it's wide enough to include every one of us. It also says that it's high. In John 17, Jesus is talking. It says this, Father, I'm giving myself to save them so I can give them the glory that you and I had together before the foundation of the world. I have no idea what that means exactly. But what it means is, is that we're going to be, it's high enough to go to the pinnacle of what it would be to walk with God, to walk with Christ. So it's high. It also says it's deep. It's beyond comprehension. Uh, You know, if you had 60 volumes and every line of every volume was Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you. If you had that, they would be just words on a page without a cross to look at, without a cross to look at. It's that deep. It goes down into the depths. And Jesus descended from heaven and he came to the earth and he died for us that we could have life. So it is wide, it is long, it is deep and it is high that's the love that he has for us and he says i want you to know that and when you know that it's going to allow you to stand strong next he gives us greater filling we pray for greater filling give us greater filling so he says this he says that you may be filled with the fullness of god in verse 20 now in the new testament when you have that word fullness of god it basically means that you can have all of life that you can have the fullness of life is what it's saying here. So, you know, it's getting to the idea here that as I'm changed internally, as I've let Christ dwell in my heart and have complete access to everything, uh, that as I am now growing deeper in love, you know, with roots being grounded, going down deep to hold me stable, and then a firm foundation, as I'm having that deeper love, that now I can experience life in all its fullness. Now I can experience life as God made it to be. And so he's saying, here's how you know that you haven't just had an emotional experience, but that you've been able to experience the actual love of Christ. It changes the way you live. It changes the way you live. All of a sudden now we're coming to some change. But we didn't start with change, did we? Change began with him internally making me different. And then it ends with now me being able to know the fullness of God and having life change. 
So I just want to say today, if you're just as insecure, if you're just as anxious, if you're just as greedy, if you're just as lustful, if you're just as driven, if you're just as harsh, if you're just as hurtful, if you're just as needy as you were before you came to know Christ, then you'll understand why you need this prayer. You'll understand that God wants to change that. He wants you to be different. You cannot change yourself. You cannot do that. You can only be changed through the power of the Spirit working out from you. It's mystical. It's not practical. What he does in us is mystical. It's, I'll just use the word magical, that he's going to make us different by the power of his Spirit. And we spend all of our time on the outside, trying to make the outside different. Mark said it earlier. He said that we talked about the whole idea of going to make resolutions and I make resolutions to change, but really I change when I have new spiritual disciplines, when I allow those to change my heart. Okay, last prayer. Give us bigger dreams. Give us bigger dreams. Verse 20 through 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we, might, that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ throughout all the generations forever and ever. Amen. So here's what he's praying and what I'm hoping that we get as we pray this prayer this year is that we would become convinced of God's power. We would become convinced of, I'm going to call it this, his miracle working power. See what he said, he's concerned as he's writing this, and the concern is probably accurate. He's concerned that some Christ's followers in his day, the church he's writing to, and then as it goes on, that Christ's followers in our day will let disappointments and let discouragements lead them to believe that God is not going to work on their behalf. Lead them to believe that God is not able, capable, or willing to work on their behalf. So, and if you're not careful, you end up believing that God's not going to you know, respond to my request. And so if my reality is going to change, then I've got to change my reality. And so what will happen is if we think that, then we'll stop praying prayers of faith to God. Now see, Paul wrote this prayer so that on January 12, 2014, you could be reminded that God can do more abundantly than all we ask or think. That's an amazing promise, isn't it? More abundantly than all we could ask or think. So I don't know the problems you're facing today, but this says that God has the power to do more than you can think. He has the power to do more even than you might ask. In fact, he has the power to do abundantly more. He's willing to do abundantly more than you might ask or even think. But what we do and what I do is that we base our prayers on what we think is doable. Or, you know, we kind of take care of God here. I, I, maybe I'm just speaking for myself. So I, you know, hedge my prayers because God may not come through, so I don't really pray the prayer of faith that he's asking me to pray because I'm not sure if he's going to come through. And what God says is I want you to pray to me knowing that I can do more, abundantly more than you can ever ask or you can ever think. And so Paul's just saying to us, don't give up on God. Don't strip God of his sovereignty. 
Don't think he's no longer working in this world, as some would have us to believe. Pray with faith, believing that God is all-powerful and that God is all-good. And so he asks us to expect more, to pray for more, and to pursue more. So I want to leave you with this. How can we do this? How can I pray prayers that renew me? And I'm going to give you some ideas. The first is this. I need to pray intensely. I need to pray intensely. So Paul began by saying, I'm going to get on my knees. When was the last time you got on your knees to pray? Last night? Awesome. Yeah. I'm not saying that posture will dictate God's answer, but I'm saying posture shows your heart. So pray intensely. The next is this, pray diligently. Pray diligently. Now what I'm going to ask you to do, if you look in your program, uh, you'll see this prayer card. And this is for you to take and keep and uh, put it in your Bible or wherever it is that you would be remember to pray this. And uh, I'm going to change the kind of the way that we typically would do this. And so if you look at this, I've given you five prayers to pray today. And so I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer a day. I'm going to ask you in your quiet time to pray a prayer today. So today is Sunday. We'll start tomorrow, Monday. I'm going to pray to God, God, give me, give, and then also you can pray for your church. Give us inner strength. And then I want you to read this verse and meditate on what it says. Read this verse and meditate on what it says. That according to the riches, immediately you can stop and just think, what are God's riches? And you can reflect on those. So you pray a prayer day Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. A prayer day. And on Saturday, you pray all five. On Saturday, you pray all five and just reflecting on what God's done. On Sunday, you come and listen to God. On Sunday, you come and experience him. You come and worship him. And then you come to know him deeper. And you take that. And then on Monday, you start again. And I'm going to ask you to do this with me. For all of 2014, we have 50 weeks left, so that means 50 times you're going to pray, God, give me inner strength, and you're going to reflect on it. That means that 50 times you're going to pray, God, give me stronger faith, and you're going to go through this. Now, some of you, you know, high overachievers, you might want to pray all five every day, but I'm asking you to pray diligently these prayers. And I'm going to remind you. I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to do this with you. Our staff is going to do this together. And that we're going to pray these prayers diligently in this year. Thirdly, we need to pray corporately. We need to pray corporately. I love it, uh, or communally, if you want to use a term like that. Uh, because Paul says, I'm praying with all the saints. All the saints. And so... You know, this is our kickoff to our community group season, and so when we get together in our community groups, then uh, one of the things that we say that you can always count on in the community group is that there will be opportunities to pray and be prayed for. And so I'm going to ask in our community groups that we would uh, initiate a way that we can pray together. So pray communally, and then lastly, pray expectantly. Pray expectantly. Pray expectantly. I'm going to read this verse to you again. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work with him, to him be glory 
I want you to just go back on the, on the side of your notes where that, you can find that verse, and I want you to underline, to him who is able. To him who is able. And I just want to say this out loud, an affirmation today, our God is able. Our God is able. Our God is able to do what we ask. In James it says, you have not because you ask not. Our God is able to do what we think. Our God is able to do abundantly more than what we ask or what we think. Our God is able, and are you praying with that kind of expectation? So I pray expectantly before God that God's going to work in me for my behalf in this world. Let's pray together right now. Father, we come before you just acknowledging that you are God. You love us. All the things that Paul wrote about in Ephesians, about how we are loved, chosen by you, loved by you, saved by you. We are blessed by you. We are drawn in unity through you. All that's available to us, God. And Father, I pray that this would be the year of renewal for this church. I pray that this would be the year that we focus on what you want to do internally. That we wouldn't focus on so much on the practical external part, but we'd focus on how you want us to be different on the inside. And Lord, I pray today that you would give us inner strength. God, I pray today that you would strengthen our faith. I pray today that you would give us deeper love. Father, I pray today that you would help us to know fullness of life. And Father, I pray today that you would just give us bigger dreams, bigger dreams individually and bigger dreams as a church because our God is able to do abundantly more than we might ever ask or think. And he gets all the glory. We want to give you the glory for what you do, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.